0: we can glean out of the story of Joseph, and uh, of course, Joseph is the greatest type of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Bible, and there's so many great, wonderful types through Joseph. I, it was, it's so powerful. I know we had our fellowship meal, and Sister Martin was telling me how much better this preacher was doing than me on this, on this Joseph story, and <laughs> you know, she, she wasn't saying that, but she was saying is he was going through all these details, you know, and, and, and I was like, yes, ma'am, it's just amazing. All these details you can get out of this. I mean, we could be here all day long just going through the details, all the different types. And I, 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 I study this out, and there's so much of it I have to cut out for time's sake. There's so many types in here. that God, God works through types. Amen. And one of the most enlightening things for me when it came to my Bible was learning that about God, that he loves to use types and similitudes. So knowing that, you know that he, he says this will remind you of Jesus Christ. This will remind you of your Christian life. This will remind you of, of the Lamb or whatever it might be. Once you understand that God loves Jesus Christ, that it's all about Jesus Christ, when you start picking up Genesis 1-1, you start looking for Jesus Christ, and you'll see Jesus Christ from there all the way to Revelation. It's amazing all the great types of of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word. Genesis 1, in the beginning, it says that God created heavens and earth. It says, and God said, let there be light. That's Jesus Christ right there. It's all through that stuff. I mean, but it really opens up your Bible. But Genesis chapter 43, we're going to pick up where we left off. And we left off at verse 26. Genesis chapter 43, verse 26. We're going to continue on now. Of course, Joseph, most of y'all know the story of Joseph. He was favored by his dad. His dad gave him a coat of many colors. His brothers were very, very envious of Joseph, and his brothers decided they are going to kill him. And they went out to kill him. They saw him one day, and they were real far from their dad. Dad wasn't around. The family wasn't around, so they said, let's kill him. And Reuben saved him, and they got thrown in a pit, and they ended up selling him off into Egypt. He went into Egypt. He went to Potiphar's house. He was a great servant for Potiphar. He rose, 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 rose atop of Potiphar's house, and then he was accused falsely of trying to rape Potiphar's wife. Was thrown in dungeon. Was in that prison for at least a couple of years. Falsely accused. Done nothing. Notice Joseph's done nothing wrong so far. All this stuff's happening to Joseph. He interprets some dreams for a butler and for a uh, a butler and a breadmaker, and they uh, the breadmaker gets his head cut off. The butler gets put back in position where he's supposed to be, and the butler forgets him. And, for, and we don't know how long that is, but if for a while that goes along. God gives Pharaoh a dream. You see God's hand move right here. God gives Pharaoh a dream. Pharaoh doesn't understand it. He wants somebody to interpret it, and the butler who's actually holding the cup that Pharaoh drinks says, Hey, I know somebody can do that. They bring Joseph out of the prison. Y'all know the story. He interprets a dream. Seven years, of, of, good, uh, of, uh, seven years of, of plenty. Seven years of famine. Joseph is brought up. He's put second in command. God the Father, God the Son. Second in command of the whole world. The Bible says that Joseph is called a special Egyptian name. I can't even pronounce it. And that Egyptian name means Savior of the world. All these great types of Jesus Christ. So the famine happens. Everything, Joseph does what he's supposed to do down at He's second in command. He, get, he takes all that food and he stores it back. Takes 20% of it and stores it back. Takes 20% of it and puts it back. And then when a famine happens, it, and it happens in Canaan. It happens down in uh, what we call Israel. Well, Jacob and his uh, sons, they need food. So they go up there and there's Joseph. They don't, there lies it's Joseph. So Joseph says, you come again, you better bring your other brother. And he takes Simeon and he takes Simeon back. And and, and I'm just doing a real quick synopsis of this. Here they come back a second time. Here they come back a second time. And they're brought in, and they're brought in, and they think they're going to be in trouble, and they're brought in, they're put in Joseph's house, and the the steward comes in, which is a great type of the Holy Spirit, and the steward says, don't worry about it, everything's going to be okay. Verse 23, he said, peace be unto you, fear not your God, and the God of your Father hath given you treasure in your sacks, I had your money, and he brought Simeon out unto them. So Simeon's reunited with them. Everything's going great. They haven't seen Joseph yet again. Verse 24, And the man brought, them, brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender, and they made ready the present, they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. So we're starting up. We're picking it up. Joseph is about to present himself again the second time. Jesus Christ is going to present himself to Israel a second time. That's when they're going to get it. That's when they're going to receive him. That's when Israel's going to be brought back in. All these are great times. So here comes Joseph. He's coming again. And that's where the story picks up in verse 26. I'm calling this sermon, Joseph and his self-righteous brothers. Joseph and his self-righteous brothers. And that's going to be found, in Gen- we're starting up in Genesis chapter 43, verse 26. Let's pick up the story. And when Joseph came home, and they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. Uh-oh, prophecy fulfilled. That's the whole reason they hated him. Because God had prophesied to Joseph and give, told Joseph in the dream, your brothers are going to bow down to you, your dad's going to bow down to you. That's the reason they tried to kill him. And here it, is coming, here it is being fulfilled. All these years later, when it looked like it would be impossible for it ever to happen, it's starting to happen right there. Verse 27. And he asked them of their welfare. Joseph asked them and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made abstinence. There it is. That's prophecy fulfilled from Genesis chapter 37. They're bowed down and worshiping him. Verse 27. I mean, verse 29, excuse me, verse 29. He lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. See, they're all half brothers, but that's a, he's full brothers with Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin are full brothers. His mother's son and said, is this your younger brother? See, they have no idea that this is Joseph. They have no idea that they're talking to Joseph but Joseph knows exactly who they are, and he says, Is this your younger brother whom you spake unto me? And he said, God, be gracious unto thee, my son. Jesus, Joseph is a great type of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ brought grace and truth, John chapter 1. He's the one that brings grace and truth. And here Joseph is telling him "Great, telling his brother, grace be unto you, grace, my son. And Joseph, look at verse 30, Joseph made haste, Verse bowels. That's uh, bowels is the inner side, like a hollowed-out side of inside you. Not like we think of the bowels like a bowel movement. This is about like a hollowed-out inside, the inside of him, inside Joseph. His bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered unto his chamber, and he wept there. Our Lord and Savior was a Savior who wept. He's a Savior that didn't mind weeping. You know, when Jesus Christ, it's interesting to me when Jesus Christ was getting glorified, and they, it's the last week, and he's coming in, and he's coming in as a king, and he's riding on that donkey, and here he comes, and they're all singing Hosanna, and they're praising Jesus Christ and praising God. And man, he's coming in in that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. As he comes in, it said that Jesus Christ looked on the city and began to weep. He began to weep because he knew what was about to happen, and he knows. The sin of that city and how they're not going to receive Him as the Lord and Savior. There's nothing wrong with weeping. The the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, and he entered into his chamber and he wept there. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, "Set on bread." So he cleans himself up so they can't tell he's been crying. He goes back out. He said, "Okay, let's get let's eat." Verse 32. And They set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves. Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. They were segregating themselves out. The Egyptians over here, there's Joseph over here, he's he's ahead of everybody, and then they put the Jews over here, all the brothers over here. Notice what he does though. Verse thirty three And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marvel one at another. They don't know these men, supposedly. But how did did somebody know to put it, put it, Reuben and then uh, Simeon and Levi? Whoever it be, and put them by their birth order all the way down to Benjamin, the last. Knowing Joseph, he probably put a probably put an empty chair between Benjamin and the last one. Make a point. They, they're mar- they don't, see, they don't understand. And that's what's going on with so many people in America and it, it lost people in the world is they don't understand what God knows about you and what God doesn't know about you. God does it and God knows everything about you. And you've got this idea that you're running this life and God's not there and God doesn't care and God's not watching me and God's not ever going to judge me and, God's and you're, you're living a lie. And there's little things like that that should have been a clue to them that something's not right here. And God will give you little clues in your life, if you're lost, going to hell, that something's quite not right. You might be given a, a gospel track. You might hear something on the radio. L- these little coincidences in your life are not coincidences. They're God trying to work on you. Verse 34, and he took and sent messes unto them from before them. But Benjamin's mess, now mess is, is, is a mess of food. And you say, well, that's pretty archaic, Brother Keegan. Yeah, but if you're in the military, you, what, are, what does the military have? They have mess halls. You're going to go to the mess hall. This Bible's not as archaic as you think it is. It's a mess hall. And he took and sent messes under them before them. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. He's blessing his brother. He's the only one that didn't try to kill him. <laughs> if, you get, if you wonder why he did that. <laughs> and they drank... And we're merry with him. All right. Everything's going wonderful. Everything's great. Man, we, we come down here and all of a sudden we're sitting here with the second most, this is the most powerful, second most powerful man in Egypt. We're sitting here eating with him and he's feeding us and everything's so wonderful. Everything's so merry. This is a great type of a lost man or a lost woman. That's a fellowshipping with church, fellowshipping with Christians, enjoying the church, enjoying the things of Christ, but they're not any part of Christ, and something's wrong. Because everything seems all right, everything seems merry, everything seems to be going well, but things are not well. Joseph's not done. They haven't answered for what they did to Joseph yet. And and, and they're merry and they're happy, and man, everything, it's just like Haman. Everything's going to be good tomorrow. Man, what a wonderful, and no, it's not. No, it's not. Verse 1, chapter 44, verse 1. Let's move on to the next chapter. And he commanded, that'd be Joseph, commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Okay, he's about to send them off again, but he's going he's to connive again. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. He's going to get them again. But I want to point out to you that they keep bringing money down for the food, and Joseph keeps taking the money and giving it back to them. This is a great type of salvation. You need the bread of life, Amen. but you're not going to pay for this bread of life, and Jesus is not going to allow you to pay him for this bread of life. It's given to you freely. It's a free gift. It's grace. By sal- salvation is by grace plus nothing else. It's given freely. And that's what all these are great types of. Verse 2, And put, put my cup, he says to, it says to his steward, which is uh type of the Holy Spirit, And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money, and he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. So he hides one of his cups in that, and, 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 and his mouth, and, and, and Benjamin's mouth. In his uh, bag, excuse me, guys. Verse 3, that would have been something. As soon as the morning was light, the men were, went- were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city, not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Uh oh. Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. See, they, even to this day, they had the, people had these cups, and sometimes I had these little silver cups. Kind of looks like what people would think uh, the Lord's supper table would look like with the Lord's cup, you know, the Holy Grail. And they'd, people would divine in it. They'd put stuff in it, water, liquid they'd have, it, and they'd try to divine out, out of it. People do that with astrology today. People try to do that with tea leaves. People do that with palms. All this nonsense. So he's telling them, this is what I use. I don't believe Joseph used it. I believe he's using this as a ploy in, the, in this story. Now, some people might argue with me, but I don't believe Joseph divined like that or tried to divine like that. I think he just used it to try to get them because they, they know he's, he's probably a heathen. So here, here they go. They leave. They're leaving out. Everything's wonderful, man. They're talking. They're probably joking around. And here comes the police. Wee, 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 wee. Here they come. And they're coming after him. Verse 6. And he overtook them, the steward, the Holy Spirit. And he spake unto them these, word, these same words. Tell, in other words, hey, why did you take my cup? Verse 7. And they said unto him. This is what their answer to that is. Because he's accusing them of taking Joseph's cup. Verse 7. And they said unto him, wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? Self-righteous. This is where the title of my sermon came from. Self-righteous. These brothers, they've, they've done everything that's right. They're being falsely accused and they're about to be arrested for something they didn't do. Who does that sound like? Joseph. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, the, Bible, uh, the, the law of the universe is that whatever you're sowing is what you're going to reap. Uh, it's so strong a law of the universe that the Buddhists call it karma. The world calls it karma. It's karma. Whatever you do will come back on you. No, that's called God's universe. <laughs> And he set up these principles in his universe. It's just a law as much as gravity that if you do something, you do something, if you sow it, you're going to reap it. And you reap a whole lot more than you sow. These are laws of the universe. And they're getting paid back. They're getting paid back exactly how Joseph, they done Joseph. Now notice in verse 7. Wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servant should do anything according to... According to this thing, now guys, here are these guys, and we 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 would never steal. We're good people. We would, you know, they have all these things. I would never do something like that. That's not like me to do. I would only steal my brother's life, try to murder him, throw him in a pit, and sell him off when somebody taught me out of it. These are the same people. They're self-righteous. They're trying to convince somebody, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Wherefore, saith my Lord, these words? They sound like they're pretty good old boys. You wouldn't know that they tried to murder somebody. Amen. Some of us, a lot of us, we seem like pretty good old people, but you wouldn't want to know me before I met Jesus Christ. Joker knows this, man. We're lucky we're not in jail right now. Me and Joker have talked about this. uh, I give all the glory to Jesus Christ that I'm not in jail right now. Because I was heading straight to jail. I was heading straight to jail. I should be in jail right now. But thanks to the grace of Jesus Christ, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and through the Holy Spirit, He changed my life. He changed my heart. He gave me a better Am I a good person? No. Am I a better person? Yes. But it's not because I'm a better person. It's because of Jesus Christ in me. And, and, and you've got to be careful of that self-righteousness. Uh, men only want you to know their good deeds. You ever notice that? Men only want you to know the good deeds. We all tend to be braggers, but boy, I tell you what, sometimes at work it's just, I've, been with some, I've worked with some of these guys for seven, eight, nine years, and they talk about how good they are at this, and I'm thinking, nah, I know some stuff on you, <laughs> but I don't say nothing. Will Rogers Rogers had some good quotes. Will Rogers, one of his quotes was, he goes, I always like to hear a man talk about himself because then I hear nothing but good stuff. I always like to hear a man talk about himself because I hear nothing but good stuff. That's true. Men tend to only want to talk about themselves. And they only want to talk about their good deed. Men think think that they're righteous in their own eyes. They believe this. See verse 7? Wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servant should do according to this thing. We would never steal anything. They believe that when they're saying that. Amen. They believe that. But they've forgotten that they stole their brother's life. They stole their brother's life. They tried to murder him. And now that's in the past. And they're walking along, and they forgot all the bad stuff they did, and they're only thinking about the good stuff. I'm a pretty good old boy. I would never do anything like that. Why are you accusing us of doing that? Listen. Comparing yourself to others in this world is not something to brag about. I'm not... I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. And look at what my neighbor's doing. And look at at this person over here. And look at all the wickedness they're doing. God's not going to compare you to your neighbor when you stand at that judgment before God. God is going to judge you. And your judgment is going to be compared to Jesus Christ. Now, if you think your righteousness exceeds Jesus Christ, then go right on ahead. Don't take Jesus Christ. Just wait till you stand before God because you will stand before God. And stand before God and you tell him how good you are and all the good deeds you did and you just get right on at it. You know, there's a girl, I was reading this story about this woman that was at church just like this, about like this. This pastor's name was Brother Martin and she came down the aisle and she told him, I want to get saved. He said, Okay. Uh, let's pray this prayer. Uh, I want you to pray with me, and I'll help you lead you through this prayer. Uh, and I want you to know, you know, you know you're a sinner. And, and she said, I'm not a sinner. He said, you're not a sinner? She said, no, Brother Martin, I'm not a sinner. He said, well, go sit back down. You're not ready to get saved. And she was flabbergasted. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand, Brother Martin. She said, I'm a good sinner. I, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a bad sinner. He said, ma'am, if you don't know that you're a no-good, sorry sinner that deserves hell, then you can't get saved. You need to go sit back now. And that pastor said, she grabbed a hold of my hand, and he said, she grabbed it like a vice grip, and she said, please forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. Just forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. Please, please, I want Jesus Christ to save me. And he said, ma'am, you're ready to get saved. Uh, Dr. Ruttman likes to say you got to have a convict before you can have a convert. you got to know you're a convict. you got to know you're going somewhere. When you say, I want you to get saved, saved implies you're saved from something, saved from a burning fire of of a building, saved from a ship that's going down, the Titanic. You're getting saved from something to something, heaven. So you're getting saved from a devil's hell. You're getting saved from a hell that you deserve as a sinner and you're getting saved to heaven. Wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. <laughs> you might want to forget your past sins, but God never forgets them. Amen. He won't ever forget them. But, I got some good news for you. Because that's not entirely true. Because if you can get into Jesus Christ, and get saved, and get into the family of God, and that's simply done by faith. You believe in Jesus Christ. You know you're a sinner. You believe that he died for your sins. You believe he died, and he was buried, and he rose on the third day. You believe he's alive right now. You pray a prayer. You pray knowing he's alive and can hear you and ask him to save you. And he saves you. What happens is, is that God will take those sins and he'll cover those sins in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He covers you in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when he looks down, that death penalty's already been paid for. It goes back to the Exodus story with the lamb and the blood on the doorpost. It goes back to all of that. That all applies to that. All those are great types. That when that death angel is going to come die, down, because God says, I'm going to kill every firstborn, but I want you to take a lamb and kill that lamb. Put the blood on the doorpost. Put it on the, this side, this side. Put it above the top. And he goes, if you'll get in that door, when the death angel comes by, he'll say the blood, it's a token to you, and I'll pass over. You just got to be in the door. Amen. Behind the blood. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you get the blood on you. And God looks down and he says, I don't see Keegan Hall anymore. I see the blood of my son Jesus Christ. There's Jesus. It's, that's already been paid for. So as a lost sinner, your sins are not forgiven. Your sins are not forgiven. You're going to stand before God and He remembers all of them. He's going to play them back before you. And God forbid, you've probably forgotten half of them. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Y'all, man, I, you know how I know that this is true? Because i I worked with a guy for 12 years at the city. We, we, we came to work at the same time and we rode together in the same truck for 12 years. You know what I knew about something? Is I have a very, very forgetful memory. Because I would be right along, he goes, you remember this, that, and other? I'm like, Oh, I forgot all about that. And he'd be, you remember this, that, and another? You remember this? I'd be like, oh, man, I forgot all about that. And there's times he'd go, you remember this, that, and another? No. Yeah, you were there. You did this. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> I mean, I just completely, totally forgot about it. And there was another witness there that said, yeah, Kegan, you were there. And I'm like, was I really? Guys, when we get up into heaven and if you're lost and don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you get up into heaven, you're going to be shocked when God starts showing you some of the things you've done in your life. You, you've forgotten them. Remember what I told you. Men tend to only remember the good. They only want to tell you the good. And we have people around us that that's what they're doing. They're always telling you the good. Oh, you're good. You're do- God knows the real you. Amen. It's a scary thing. And he's not going to forget it. But, like I said, i got some good news. The Bible says that when you get into the family of God if you confess those sins, he's faithful and just to so can forgive you those sins and to clean you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says he'll take those sins and he'll throw them as far as the east is from the west. Praise the Lord. He didn't say north to south. He said, I'll throw your sins, I'll take your sins, I'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. If you, keep, if you go east, you know what you are always be doing? Going east. If he said, I'll take your sins and cast them as far as the north from the south, you know what would happen on a globe? You go north, and eventually you'll start going south. you come back. That Bible's smarter than you are. Amen. 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 There's so many times that Bible could have errors in it and it doesn't. It should amaze you. He says, I'm going to forget them. Those sins, I'm going to forget them. He said, I'm going to take your sins, I'm going to put them in a bag. And he said, I'm going to take that bag and I'm going to cast it off in the ocean. God, as a Christian, God doesn't want to remember your sins. He wants to have a fellowship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. When my son does something to me, when my son does something to me that bothers me, we, I want to make it right because I don't want him to be apart from me. I want him to be with me. I want a fellowship with him. I want to have a relationship with him. God wants to have a relationship with you, so if you'll just come in any way you can as a child of God and say, Father, I know I shouldn't have done this, He's going to wipe it clean. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. That's for the family of God. Now, if you're on the other side and you're lost going to hell, God's not your father. God's your judge. And you will stand before God. You you are going to answer. And boy, He remembers everything. Verse 9, verse 9, look at that one. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondman. Ooh, 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 ooh. That wasn't very smart. They're so confident in their righteousness. They say, I tell you what, man, If you, whoever you find it in, you can kill them. And the rest of us, We'll be servants to you. You just kill whoever you find that in. They're so confident that they're righteous. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what I've found out about man? Being in this world this long. Man, if a man thinks he's innocent, he wants justice. You ever notice that? When a man doesn't think he does that kind of sin, that's the kind of sin that deserves to go to hell. But if a man does that kind of sin, that's the kind of sin he thinks God forgives. I'll give you an example. So many brothers and sisters in Christ, they'll think a person's a homosexual. Well, they're going to hell. They need to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. What makes this sin more than that sin? You've got to get these sins straightened out. Jesus Christ can save somebody. A Christian can live in homosexuality. He won't be living right. He's losing all his rewards, but he's living in that lifestyle. A Christian can do all kinds of wicked things, but he's still in the family of God. Well, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. I can tell it's getting quiet in here. I better get on. Yeah. With whomsoever thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. That wasn't very smart. You know, uh, one of the most famous cases of this in the Bible is David. David goes and takes Bathsheba, takes her as his wife, takes Bathsheba, gets Bathsheba's uh, husband, Uriah, killed. Kills him, takes her, brings him in. Everything seems to be hunky-dory. Here comes comes Nathan. Nathan comes in. Nathan tells David, hey, there's this one man. He had this one little ewe lamb. He loved that ewe lamb. It's a big part of the family. They loved it. They coddled this ewe lamb. Here comes this rich guy. He has thousands and thousands of lambs. And instead of taking one of his thousands and thousands of lambs, he goes and takes by force, this lamb from this poor guy, that's the only lamb he has. This poor guy's the only lamb he has. You know what David says? Kill that man. Bring me that man so he may die. That's what David said. Because David said, you know, David's innocent, right? You know, what, you know what Nathan says? Nathan looks him right in the face and points that finger and says, Thou art the man. Amen. Thou art the man. This self-righteousness that we get in ourselves God's going to point at us and say, thou art the man. You've done the same thing. You stand up there and say, we would never steal. I I would never do nothing. I'm a pretty good old boy. God says, you art the man. Now let me show you what you've done. David had just done that not too long ago. And he'd already forgotten about it. He couldn't even. And David's a very, very intelligent guy. And he couldn't get get the story together. Thou art the man, David. Thou art the man. David had to repent. The scariest thing about these verses I'm showing you is a great truth in the Bible a lot of people forget. God is going to judge us for our words. Amen. And he said, this is, the, this is the servant, this is the uh, steward, this is the Holy Spirit, this is Joseph's servant. Look what he said to the brothers. And he said, now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant and ye shall be blameless. God is going to judge you out of your own mouth. That's how He's going to stop every mouth. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that what what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So God is going to have you in a point, in a place, when you're standing before... I'm talking to a sinner, a lost sinner going to hell. When you're standing before God, you're being judged by God, the judge, He's going to get you to the point, after he shows you everything, he's going to get you to the point where he's going to show you and he's going to use your own, words to crucif- uh, your own words to judge you and to send you to hell. You're going to say, well, I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. God's going to show, okay. Right, right, right here you said you thought it was a sin, you thought it was wrong to steal, and right here is where you stole. Right here is where you said it was wrong to lie, a certain, certain date, right here is where you lied. Right here, you said it was wrong to kill. Right here is where you wanted to kill somebody. You just couldn't get, it, couldn't get the gun to kill them. He's going to do that over and over again in a lost man or woman's life to the point where they're going to stand there and they're going to be speechless. What can they say? He's going to take his, our own words and judges, for by thy words thou shalt be Jesus Christ said this, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. How can you be justified by your words? I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He's my Savior and my King. I bow down to Him. He's my everything. My my Savior is Jesus Christ. That's how I'm justified by my words. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I don't need Jesus. There's no God. I don't believe in that stuff. And one day, one day, one day, there's a payday someday. Self righteousness it brings so many people down to a devil's hell. The reason so few people judge sin nowadays is because it makes them make. It's because when they judge sin, they know they're judging themselves. So many people, they don't judge sin anymore. They don't judge what's right and wrong because if they judge what's right and wrong, then they know they're judging themselves. They don't want to judge what is sin and what's right and what's wrong because when they do that, then they have to, they're saying, oh, I look at myself and I'm doing the exact same thing. That's why sin's not preached in the churches like it used to be preached in. Yeah. Amen. We can't handle it. Because <laughs> when I get to preaching on sin, it hits everybody in here. If, you, if I went back 100 years ago and I preached on the sin like I preach now, there's, it, w- it hit maybe half of them, a quarter of them, because they were trying to live a really righteous life. We're so deep, and, and we got sin so much in our lives and around us and through our eyes and through our ears and coming out of our mouths that sin is so rampant that you, you can preach on any kind of sin, and I'm going to get somebody mad at me, any sin, any sin. God forbid I preach on alcohol, I preach on alcohol and people fainting the owls and everything else. I'm like the only Baptist preacher in America left that preaches against alcohol, I think, you know. Nobody can take it. I can't take it. I don't like it. I'm Like I said about Sunday school, I said, don't come to Sunday school because it's just going to hurt your feelings. It's going to make you feel bad. It's going to make you feel sorry. It's going to make you feel no good. But that's where God wants you to be. So you'll get down on your knees and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Lord, I thought I was pretty good and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. God wants you to be broken hearted. Amen. God doesn't want you. God wants you to be full of love. God says, here, here's who he's close to. God says, I'm close to a man that's broken hearted and of a contrite spirit. Are you broken hearted over your sin? You should be. Amen. You should be broken hearted on things that come out of your mouth. Because that's what's going to judge you. Every idle word man shall <laughs> give an answer for in the day of judgment. You know, a, this king had a dream, and he had a dream that all his teeth fell out. Well, he went to get the dream interpreted. He says, I need somebody to interpret this dream. And he brought in the guy, and the guy says, King, that means that uh, all your relatives are going uh, to uh, die, and you're going to be left alone. All your relatives are going to die, and you're going to be left alone. And the king got mad at the interpreter and go, Get him out of here. I don't want to hear nothing more from him. And he brought another interpreter, and the other interpreter said, King, Rejoice. You're going to live a very, very long life. As, as a matter of fact, you're going to live such a long life that you're going to outlive all your relatives. And the king was like, Yay! It's the same interpretation. It's the same interpretation. It's all how you say it. It's all how you say it. God's going to go through all that and get to the truth. So many people say, they have way, man. People dream up ways to say stuff to confuse you. Y- y'all know that if you go out and try to buy something. My wife got an email $15. Say $15, you go down to United. Say $15. So you get to look at it. Well, you got to spend $75 before you get the $15 back. So you get to look at that a little bit more, and it's like, okay, you got to do a, a call it in first. When those pick up, you got to do a pick-up pickup. I mean, but after it's all said and done, it's like this isn't worth it. They don't, they don't ever just come out and tell you the truth. They got, they got to be sly about it. Verse ten, we got to get, we got, we got to get done. He said, now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it should be found be my servant, and you shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack and he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh, no. Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man in his ass and returned to the city. I bet they wish they wouldn't open their mouth then. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, these guys were set up. These guys were set up. These guys were falsely accused. Yes, they were. But are these guys innocent? By no means are they innocent. They tried to kill their brother, amen? amen. We're talking about the law of the universe is you're going to sow what you reap. I mean, you're going to reap what you sow. They're starting to understand it, though. Guys, you might not understand that principle, what I'm trying to tell you. They're starting to understand it, because look what happens in the very next verse. I mean, very next verses. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not, know ye not, what means no, know ye not, that what ye not, that such a man as I can certainly divine? He said, Don't you know I know everything? See, that's what y'all don't understand. Some people don't understand about God. He knows everything. You can't fool God. You you might fool your wife, your husband, your spouse, your brother, whoever it might be. You're not going to fool God. Verse 16. And Judah said, here's Judah. What tribe did Jesus Christ come out of? Tribe of Judah. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. They're innocent. I thought they were innocent. Yeah, they're innocent of this, but he's talking about the iniquity of what they did to their brother. See, they're starting to realize, you know what, we had this coming. God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. They say, how shall we say unto my Lord, what shall we speak? That goes back to what I just preached about. You're going to keep your mouth shut. When God shows you everything, these loud mouths on CNN and on these other different channels, they're always mocking God, making fun of God and mocking Christianity. When they stand before God naked, I want to see how much they're mocking him. I want to see it. They're not. The Bible says they're going to have their mouth shut. The knees are going to smoke together. Every excuse will be silly. Every excuse somebody comes up with when they stand before God is going to be silly. Because they know the truth. See, it's like me. I, all this stuff applies. Some of this stuff applies to me at work. When I work, when I go, when I work uh, we have a tree, and they've got to have those trees. When I come and pick up a tree at your house and, uh, I, I, on my, with my brush truck, it's got to be cut in five-foot lengths. And I promise you, I'll go to these people's houses. It's supposed to be cutting five-foot lengths. I go, I pull up these people's houses, and it will be a rich guy. This guy owns an eight—I'm not exaggerating—a eight hundred to eight hundred thousand-dollar house to a million-dollar house there in Brownwood. I pull up there, and he's left a note saying, "I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any way to cut this up," and he's got this twenty-foot-long tree, and he don't have any way to cut this up. You know, has more money than 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 uh, you know. I've ever seen in my lifetime, but he don't have, the, he don't have no way to cut this up. But you, you, you see that with rich people, you go over to the poor side of town, everything's cut up. You know why? They used to take care of themselves. They used to, well, I got to get this done. There's nobody gonna come take care of this. Rich people always trying to make excuses. It's amazing to me. And Jesus Christ warned us about how rich people act. And I see that in my life, in my work life, that they're always trying to make up excuses. They're always trying to make up excuses. And they're silly excuses to somebody like me that knows the truth. How much more silly are they going to be to God who really knows all the truth? You're not going to get away with it. And one last truth I want to show you. One last truth I want to show you. Two, Two last ones, real quick. Middle of verse 16, how shall we clear ourselves? Judah says, how are we going to clear ourselves? You can't. You can't. I went to see Ricky Dodd. I went to see Ricky Dodd yesterday and he's laying on that bed and we were, uh, were talking about the Bible. He said, Brother Keegan, he said, when you die here, that's it. You don't get another chance, do you, brother? I said, that's right, brother. You either do, you, you receive Jesus Christ now, or you don't get it. Amen. There's no second chances. When you stand before God and all your sin, you're going to think, how am I going to get out of this? And you're not. It's too late. Amen. You had your chance. It's too late. How are we going to clear ourselves? This reminds me of one of the greatest things about being a Christian. And I forget about this because I've been a Christian for so long, but it's a great, great thing to really praise the Lord for. When you're a Christian, you, you realize what it's like to go to bed with a clear conscience. Amen. You got a clear conscience. You clear, how are we going to clear ourselves? I clear myself by confessing my sins to Jesus Christ, and he cleanses me and washes me and cleanses me from all iniquity and all sin. Amen. I do that through Jesus Christ. I have a clear conscience. Don't say, how am I telling you, I sleep real good sometimes at night, but it ain't because of my sin keeping me up. I get that took care of. I want that took care of. And without Jesus Christ, you have no way. Without Jesus Christ, no religion, no, no church, There's no pastor, no priest, no pope, no no music, nothing is going to clear you and give you a clear conscience like Jesus Christ can. That's why there's prisoners sitting in prison with a better conscience than a lot of people outside of prison, because they've received Jesus Christ and they're living for Him even though they're in jail. And at the end of verse 16, the last point I want to make, and we'll get out of here, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Look, He says, Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we... He also with whom the cup is found. See, he's trying to loop. Judah's doing what he can to save Benjamin. So he's saying, hey, we're all in this together. We're in this together. And and Joseph straightens him out real quick, verse 17. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man, but the man, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace and under your father. He said, I only want that guy right there. Y'all can go. So if you think you're going to go into this judgment and you're going to mingle in with the crowd, and you say, yeah, it's going to be a big beer party, I'm going to be partying in hell, and I'm going to mingle in, and you're going to get into the judgment of God, and you're going to mingle in and say, well, I'm going to be with this group of sinners, and I'm going to be over here and have my hands in my pocket, and I'm going to be a wallflower, it ain't going to work that way. God's going to separate all y'all out, and He's going to say, it's your turn. And you're going to look behind you and he's going to say, no, you, come up here. Kiggy, come on, right up here. I've got some things I need to talk to you about. But the man in whose hand the cup is found. You will stand alone before God without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you die in your sin, you will be judged. And you'll stand before God alone to answer for all your sin. Now, that's some bad news. But I got some good news. Before you die, if you're willing to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And take Him by faith. And get saved. The Holy Spirit will come into you. You'll be born again. You'll be a new creature in Jesus Christ. That way when you die, you won't stand before God. He won't be your judge. You'll stand before God and He'll be your Father. And here's the good news. because You've got to understand this concept. God is either your judge this morning or he's your father. He's either going to judge you like a judge has to do or he's going to be a father and hug you and kiss you and give you grace and mercy that only a father can show. A judge is not allowed to show grace. He's got to be righteous. He's got to drop the gavel guilty to a devil's hell. But a father can come down and say, hey, Hey, I, I understand. Come here. I love you. Man, that's a good thing in Jesus Christ. Why aren't you taking it? Let's have an invitation. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just love you so much, Father, and as we give this invitation, Father, just pray that there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, the Lord Savior, Father, they can come on down the aisle and get saved. Lord, it's just that simple. Knowing they're a sinner, Lord, knowing that Jesus Christ has rose from again, rose from the grave and died for their sins, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, as we go through the rest of this, invitation Lord that Jesus Christ be glorified in every way thank you for my salvation father thank you for these people that love you and have come out here to to worship you Lord and I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ amen hello friends this is pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap Texas if you'd like to contact us you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com on the internet it's indiangapbaptist.com